He who wants to be first of all will be last of all and servant of all. Gentlemen, you are in the right place. This is Last in Line Leadership Podcast. I am your host, John Shibley, and I just read you from Mark 9.35. That scripture is all about servant leadership, and that's what we're about here. The podcast that showcases and highlights great leaders of faith, people who have walked the journey of leadership, who have served, who have sacrificed, who have developed discipline, courage, and resilience. You've come to the right place. This is Last in Line Leadership. Hey, I'd like to welcome to Last in Line Podcast, Mr. Javier Labrador, who he and his wife, Shannon, started a a company called 24-7 Marriage, which is an organization committed to restoring marriages. They created what's called the Marriage Lab, which is their 38-foot mobile marriage support fifth wheel. And they tour the country uh, working with uh, and supporting couples. They've got what's called marriage boot camps. Uh, They are all about restoring hope, redeeming stories, and building stronger marriages. Uh, this is a very unique kind of travel life support for marriages throughout the country. Uh, Javier and his wife really have committed to restoring what has been known to be uh, the marriage crisis amongst our nation and the breaking of American and nuclear families. And so they got a cool story. They've got a cool uh, ministry. Javier is by trade a pastor and really kind of broke off into this marriage laboratory with he and his wife and created 24-7 Marriage um, 13 years ago. And so this is a blessing to get to know him. I've seen his work on Instagram, obviously, and to hear his heart behind what is um, really plaguing a lot of marriages and and hear his story with his own marriage and how they were redeemed and and recovered and and how they consistently work on it. Uh, daily and help others do the same. So I think it's a unique story. I think it's a unique ministry, and I love his heart behind it. So I hope you're blessed by the show today with Javier Labrador. Welcome him to Last in Line. Man, Javier Labrador, welcome to Last in Line Podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, what it's cool work that you do and in, in, in what you and your wife do and traveling around um, doing marriage boot camps. And you've been doing this for 13 years as a whole, right? But the last three, you've been traveling around. I, I yeah, travel trail. I mean, it's kind of cool. I'm kind of jealous that you get to travel around <laughs> all, all. But we, you and I just met like five seconds ago and come yeah, to yeah. find out you actually live your home base is about an hour from where I am, which I never yep. realized. So small world, but uh, glad you could be here, man. Yeah, no, glad. Hey, thank you for having me. And it's uh, it's an honor to be on with you for sure. Well, we're going to talk about marriage and we're going to, you know, classes in session, gentlemen, because we're going to get uh, better today as husbands. Yeah. And uh, a lot of guys cringe right now when you said we're talking about marriage. <laughs> no, because we got the expert right here. Javier is going to talk to us about how we can serve our wives, how we can get better. Um, But before we do that, and before we go deep into your background, Javier, I do something kind of unique that I call a life sentence. And I'm going to 
I'm going to create a sentence for you and you're going to finish it from your perspective. Okay. So you finish sure. the sentence here. It's not sure. too heavy. So uh, disarm the situation, relax. We're good. Right. <laughs> All right. How about, how about this? Uh, my marriage has grown most in the area of truly serving one another. Um, that's what it's been for us is how do we, how do we die to self and how do we serve one another and do that with a joy that we, we get to serve one another. Um, and, and, and operating from that mindset. So it has grown because we've learned how to serve one another. Yeah. I noticed on your website it talks about get to instead of have to, and I want to dive more into that. Yes. Um, yeah. So, all right. How about this one? That was too easy, man. I should have okay. come up with some harder <laughs> ones here. What about this? How about the most common struggle in the couples we work with is? Uh, a it's, I would say there's it's pride and a lack of being able to come into the space of the other of your spouse to seek to understand where they're at. Um, and so we see that as a consistent thread that kind of weaves through, you know, couples that we connect with, that we work with, uh, what we've seen in all the work that we do. I think those are the two things that we we consistently see. You know, again, there's, there's probably others, but those are two main ones we see often. Yeah. And by the way, I just, I went on and purchased your, uh, your little guide to communication uh, yesterday. Okay. So okay. there's a lot okay. of resources that I want you to get us into at the end before I let you go so that sure, they sure. can, the guys can get on, um, get some of those. Uh, yeah. No, that's a good, that's a great answer. Um, Cause I mean, I think the antithesis of serving is pride. So uh, yeah. if we can get the opposite of that and be more humble servants, I think that the marriage can only grow from that. All right, here we go. Uh, you're it. doing too good so far. I got to see you. <laughs> we got to, we got to prove you're human here, man. Um, all right. The most powerful lesson I can teach my kids about marriage is. Okay, now and you, you got. How about how about okay, and and I got to qualify this so, first. I would say this. You can't use the I, first I, two that you said already. I, I so I would say for them is the the understanding how they live out so that they live out the true purpose of marriage, um, and when I say that is uh, marriage is not meant right. For our happiness, it's not meant that, hey, she's sexy, so I'm going to marry her because sexiness is going to fade, right? Gravity takes a hold. Like the purpose of our marriage is God. And so if I instill that into my children, and especially for me, I have two girls. So I've got young men, one's married and the other one's dating somebody seriously. And I care more about that those men love God first yeah. on, their, on their knees before God because I know they're going to love their wives well. And if they make God the purpose of their marriage, then that will be greater than anything they will ever face. So that's what I've passed down. That's what I've instilled into them. It's really good, man. And 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 I. So you made me just think about my own little motto with my kids: is the best gift I can give them is to show them that I love their mother well. Yeah, and 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 that all comes after they already know how much we love God first. And right. uh, they all know the hierarchy. They know they all know it's God, their mom, and then them. So, yeah, yeah. so that's the way it should well, be. And you know, John, one day they're going to be gone, and there yeah. you stand with your wife. That's right? right. And and there's too many that have placed kids before that or others other things in front of that. But yeah. when you make right, the only priority you have in life is is God, and then everything else falls in the proper order after that. And so, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there because that is exactly what they need to see. And they need to see sometimes the the difficulty, the struggle That's where right. we make, right? They need to see all that because it's real. 
And we're not going to be this veneer that, hey, it's all up and to the right. <laughs> it is not like that. You guys, right. you know, you men listening to this, you know that very well. Um, but when you can teach them how to love, right, their spouse well and how to image Christ in their marriage, that has a generational impact. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, we're going to dive in. I'm getting excited. We're going to dive into yeah. some of this and peel back the layers on some of this. All right. Uh, last one here. The favorite, my favorite thing about my wife is. I love how she does. She never questions who she is. So that her strength, her resiliency, and she's got an edge and attitude about her that I love. Right. It was the very thing that was difficult in the first five years of our marriage that almost ended our marriage. But it is the very thing that I love about her. Right. Um, and so she just has a strength about her and. Uh, really an identity of knowing, Hey, this is who I am. Um, so I love that about her and that, that's impacted me. She's made me a better man because of that for sure. That's good, man. Yeah. My wife and I are both only children and we were both very type a assertive personalities and you can only imagine the sparks oh, yeah. that flew <laughs> the first five years. Yeah. You hit the nail imagine. on the head five years. Um, <clears throat> all right. So I noticed you're wearing, if I can see, I could see part of it, but black rifle coffee shirt. Is that what you're wearing? Oh, this one is. I can't see that. I saw a rifle. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Black <laughs> Rifle Coffee. Love those guys. There you go. Um, okay. So I want you to maybe go into your background a little bit, just because I'm assuming you weren't coming out of the womb as a marriage therapist or conducting marriage seminars. So yeah. let's talk about you, you know, by trade, kind of what you became after you know, after your adolescent years and give us maybe a, a glimpse of your defining faith moment when it comes to your faith journey. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll just give you a high level. So I was, you know, um, being of Hispanic heritage, you know, raised Catholic. My dad came to the Lord and then was, you know, he he came to Christ and uh, from Catholicism to Christianity. And I was pretty much raised in the church and my dad helped plant a church early on. So I was in church serving uh, in that arena ever since about the age of 10 and on. Um, so fast forward, you know, I had, I felt this desire to want to work within ministry and that's what I was doing, um, even at a young age. And so I became a junior high, then high school pastor, went to Bible college, um, came out of that and, uh, moved from by, uh, sorry, junior high, high school into being an associate pastor. And then years after that planted our first church. And when we planted that church, um, as a pastor, our very first Sunday was in the very church that I helped my dad begin with another pastor um, on that platform. Uh, so full circle, a platform that I helped build was the very one that I stood upon when we uh, planted our church and had our very first service. Wow, that's awesome. And so kind of progressed from there. We had our church. We actually merged our church with a larger one. It didn't go well after a season. Um, unfortunately, we had to leave that. And that sent me through a season where I hit a, a period of burnout. I had hit a wall. It revealed what was going on in my life that I had actually walked away a little bit from my first love. I was doing all the right things. I was loving people, serving. I was serving in the church. I was leading a church, but I was not really in love with my first love, right? I had allowed other things to get in the way. And God took me on this journey to bring me to a place where I could say, God, you are enough. That nothing, if I never stood on that platform again, if I've never was in ministry again, or I never worked with couples again, God, you are enough. Full stop. And so that journey was a difficult journey, but it, it and through that, it kind of, that was what birthed a lot of the marriage ministry and what we are doing now. 
Um, my background, again, Bible college, background in psychology. Uh, but my focus now when we work with our couples and our team, they do a lot more coaching and then we work with therapists. And the only reason why is coaching is very forward moving. And so we focus a lot in that area with, with couples. Um, that being said, so we launched the marriage ministry and God has blessed it. It has, it has grown significantly. Um, we have grown impact and influence. So everything that we are doing is also birthed, not just from experience in schooling, but it's birthed out of where we have been. And I think that's the greatest education, right? What we have actually navigated in and through our marriage, especially our first five years that we, we talk about it all the time at every conference, at every boot camp, every workshop that we speak at. Um, we talk about our first five because they're incredibly difficult. Um, and, 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 you know, I, and it may sound like, hey, Javier, you're the saint, but how the story unfolds when we tell it um, is that a lot of this was birthed out of a place my wife was at where she was like, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do, where to go. I'm going to have my voice. I won't lose my voice. And that came from her out of childhood trauma, out of having mm -hmm. a baby at the age of 15 and mm -hmm. setting up for an abortion. And missing that appointment because she didn't have enough money. And by the grace of God, ended up in the pregnancy center. And then having having this child. And then, and then Carrie, who was a child, was born and she was adopted within the family, within my wife's family. Now, during this time, I had already known my wife. We had dated and we were broke up. And then that happened while we were in between, right? Uh, when we broke up and before we got together again. And so I had been part of Carrie's life as well since the day she was born. So wow. she was adopted within the family. And now they both minister and do things together. Um, but, you know, I officiated her wedding or my girls were in the wedding. My wife was her maid of honor. So full story of restoration. But for her, our first five years were impacted by where she had come from, being in a hospital bed and laying there and recognizing that she wanted to see her baby one last time, but she felt she had no voice. She couldn't speak up. She couldn't say anything mm -hmm. because this is already in motion. And even though it was going to be family and she would see her, she felt I've lost my voice. I've lost my ability to be able to stand up for myself. And thus that carried into the early years of our marriage mm -hmm. where I am not going to lose my voice. I will speak up for who I am and no one's going to dictate anything in my life. And so you can imagine what that did for me in our first number of years of marriage. Yeah. And so um, that's just kind of a high level of really a nutshell of kind of like where we've been and what has led us to doing a lot of the work that we're doing now with couples um, that we can sit with them and, uh, and have these conversations, but also minister at the level we are and say, Hey, me too. We get it. We've been there. Yeah. We've walked yeah. this out. Wow. Yeah. No, that's good groundwork. I appreciate that story because, I mean, that does shine some light on where you've come from and some of the water you had to navigate um, as as a couple and now yeah. why you're doing what you're doing. Because I'm assuming that you have a heart for people that are going through similar stuff. And, and let's face it, the marriage covenant, man— the enemy would love nothing more than to break up a happy home, right? Yeah. And to yeah. to divide yeah. what God has joined together. And yeah. and uh, so, yeah, I think this is this is crucial, crucial, uh, monumental work y'all are doing. And I, I've talked to some other people who do similar work. And man, I, there can't be enough people, I don't think, doing what you're right. doing. So I appreciate what you guys. Um, right. So, are you both just? deriving from your own experiences or is one of you a more gifted writer a more gifted speaker like <laughs> you guys kind of gel well off of each other when you're when you're teaching together like talk to me a little but bit about that he's, 
She's not here, so I could say, yeah, I'm the gifted one, 100%, right? <laughs> no, I can I tell she's say, not shy, though, from what I see on Instagram. Like, she is, she, she's she is a speaker. Not, no, she is definitely the on-camera personality. Like, that is her. That's where she signs, right? That's not my gifting there. Um, but how we break things up. So when we do when we do events, when we speak, oftentimes um, it is together at our boot camps where both speaking we do sessions for men and women um i'm a lot of the content creation resource creation i write um the book that we're finishing up i wrote she wrote part of it as well um the speaking she would say that's 100 javier like i love to be able to communicate and to speak uh, she absolutely does that as well. She does a lot of the creative, a lot of, you know, even content creation when it comes to social media. Uh, and then we have our assistant and four others that are part of the team that help with other aspects of the ministry. But we really are as a team when we work and we do this. And the reason why is like when we're, when we're working with couples and we don't do a lot of coaching individually anymore because we just can't scale that, but we got a team of coaches. But when we're ministering, the ability to be able to have that perspective right from both right? From the husband, from the wife, and and for us to be able to sit and, um, and hear and to listen and have those conversations, I think it's been very impactful. Mm -hmm. So we both are heavily involved, right, within the ministry. She does sometimes call me the talent. She says, you come in, you speak, and you blow out. And she ends up doing a lot of the back-end work, her and the others. So I'm guilty of that for sure. Uh, but we definitely have a a relationship where we are both mutually submitted to God, mutually submitted to one another, and we walk it out really well. And is it easy? 100% no. My wife and I, we're together 24-7. Not only that, but we're traveling the country right now in a 38-foot fifth wheel called the Marriage Lab. So we live in 38 feet together consistently. We're away from friends, families, and all and everything that we know. And mm -hmm. so it provides a whole different set of challenges. But yeah. we've done that most of our lives, most of our working um, lives. And so for us, we have found this healthy rhythm on how to do that well with one another. Yeah, man. No, that's good. Um, and I can tell you do have, I mean, you're a pastor, so you do have that speaking gift and uh, very well articulate. Um, I, You know, we'll get to the book too. Don't let me forget to find out where, you know, if sure. the book, when the book's coming out, the name and all that. Yeah. But um so give me an idea. I know she's not there and, but <laughs> as much as you're together, you could probably speak pretty high, well educated speak for her, but what does she admire most about the husband that you kind of became from those five first five years to where you are now? What would you say she would say to that? Yeah, I would say one of the things that, that, that I had to understand I had to work on is this ability to be able to see past the problem and see the person. Um, and, and I think that's actually empathy, right? The ability yeah. to not just be able to have compassion for somebody and say, hey, I see what you're feeling or what you're going through. Hey, I'm here for you. Let me pray for you. But the empathy to actually crawl down into that dark place, into that ditch with them and sit right behind them or next to them and to carry that, to carry that weight, to carry that burden with them. For me, it was having that empathy to look past what was actually happening and taking place. And she would say this, that I was able to see past those things to see there's my wife here. She is hurting. There's something taking place that is causing what is actually happening in our marriage right now. 
right? We always tell couples that you don't have a marital issue. You have a you problem and a you problem happening in your marriage, right? So you got two individuals coming together and, you know, I brought baggage into, yeah. into my marriage. Some people have a carry-on, some people back up a U-Haul, right? Mm -hmm. She had a carry-on, but her carry-on had explosives in it, right? So, but I had to learn how to actually come alongside and, and see what was truly going on and not just what was happening to me. And, and I, and it was difficult because I had to be able to work through not wanting to shift and make things better. So they were better for me. I had to come into her place of brokenness to love her in such a way to help her walk through that, but also bring other people into that early on in our marriage that would journey with her, that would speak truth in her life that I honestly couldn't do because mm -hmm. I'm not a woman and she needed that, that a strong woman speaking into her life. And so I think for me, it was that place to be able to have empathy and to understand like, Hey, something's going on here with my wife. What is that? How do I love her through that? Because as our model in our ministry goes, no, I didn't have to, I didn't have to fight for, with her through that. I didn't have to come alongside her. I didn't have to endure five years that were difficult you know, when she would belittle me in public and we, she would argue and she'd yell, I didn't have to, but I got to, right? I got to do that with her. And that's what, that's what we say. You don't have to, you get to. And it was a paradigm shift to say, I get to walk with her through this, um, even though it's difficult for me in this season. But what God did through that and the beauty of that and the healing and the restoration, the strength of a marriage birthed out of adversity and difficulty is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Sadly, most guys won't go through that. Yeah. Talk to guy after guy after guy after, you know, man after man who will not stand and say, well, this is happening to me, but she is not doing it. But she like, I don't care about her. Right. Like, like you, you work on you. And what are you called to do? You're called to love her as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? Yeah. He gave us the church. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there are some situations that we have worked with couples that are, you know, extreme situations of what may be going on with the other spouse. But in most cases, I think with men, we, we, we quit, mm -hmm. we get fresh at what's happening to us and we back down and we run from Goliath instead of running towards it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we stand yeah. on the other side of that wall in, you know, not, not knowing if we have what it takes or, you know, trying to control the situation and they're just waiting for us to move towards them. And we don't. Right. Yeah. Um, and all we're doing at that point is reinforcing the narrative that's been told in their mind, you know, by the enemy or by those that are around them of, Hey, you're not worth fighting for. Yeah. You're not worth doing. Well, and that's what they're, that's what they're hearing. So in your situation and, and her being a strong personality because of some of the trauma that she had in her past, she was not going to repeat that. She was going to be more of a voice, more of an assertive personality. Yeah. How did that, and and even applicable to some of the people you work with, because I would imagine that's not an isolated incident. I would imagine you see a lot of that where there's sort of a, a leadership battle, like who's going to lead the home, right? There's going to be yep. kind of somebody that's strong here, somebody that's strong here. One thinks they're the leader, one wants to be. So what do you? What did you do in your situation to be the spiritual leader of the home? Because obviously the Bible talks about that, right? And the Bible says, yep. you know, the wife submit to the husband and, and husband, you know, love her like Christ loved the church. But how did you get through some of that where you were empathetic, but sort of still stood your ground as the leader biblically of the home. And what are you saying to the people that you see that are similar situation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you're listening to this, just remember the, this word, 
I would just tell her frequently and, and often submit. That was it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's great, man. I would just yell That's submit great. woman. And that was it. She was I in mean, line. Everything was great. Just highlight right? that word in her Bible on that verse. And that's it. That's it. That's yeah. it. I just left it open on her bed every day. That was it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. No. Um, what's funny is we'll actually do that now. Like a supermarket's walking down the an aisle way just to, just to get laughs and see what people do. I'll yell, hey, woman, submit. Get over here. And like she'll laugh, <laughs> you like what just happened? <laughs> right, you they get a difference. Re- hey, you get a different response in like <laughs> Bath and Body Works as you do in Home Depot. I bet exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you gotta ha- you gotta have fun in marriage. But um, it wasn't about me having, and this is what would sometimes we think, right? As men, that I have to verbally say these things, right? I have to verbally. Like say, hey, this we're not going to be going this direction. Like, you know, this is what scripture says. Like, I didn't do any of that. What I did is I lived out the mandate that God had called me to lead my wife. And leadership and leading in my home and leading my wife was about leading her spiritually and setting the example of what it meant to image Christ to her in our marriage, to be on my knees in prayer, to pray together, which was difficult mm-hmm. for me early on. All those pieces were showing leadership. And I just kept pushing into those things, right? And even when she was resistant, I would keep pushing into those things. And it wasn't a verbal like, hey, scripture says you're called to submit, right? I'm called as the leader. She already knew that. Like, John, she already knew that. She knew scripture. Yeah. She was well aware of that. But she had made that inner vow that no one's going to do this to me. No one's going to control me or silence my voice. So I recognized that. And I had to lead um, by my actions, how I pursued her, how I loved her, how I served her. And even the moments when I didn't do it perfectly, how I came to her and say, you know what? I didn't speak to you the right way. You know, hey, I didn't respond in the right way. Whatever it may be to own that. That was leadership. And I was imaging that to her that she could trust my leadership. And that was a big thing, right? Like she was felt she'd lose her voice. So she had to trust me. And it wasn't going to be by me telling her. It had to be by me living and walking it out. And again, I make it sound like it was easy. It was not easy. It was day in, day out. It was times I wanted to quit, like times I was I was just done. But with men around me to hold my arms up and lock arms with, that helped sustain me. But I had to just walk it out. I had to live it out. And just mm-hmm. this idea that like, you know, God didn't give us a marriage because, you know, we are able, but because he is able. And so I had to rely on, you know, in my weakness, I had to be dependent upon him. And that moved me to that dependence upon him. And like, how do I do this? I don't know. So no, I didn't do it perfectly, but I walked it out, I think by my actions. And that's, that's, that's a display of leadership right there. And that's good too. And it makes me think of the movie, uh, Fireproof. And, you know, I I know that guy, the Love Dare book kind of, became sort of commercialized, but at its roots, it really is servant leadership, regardless of the response, right? Regardless of the outcome is you're doing it out of love and out of obedience, not out of reception from the audience. Right. So I think that's really key is guys do things because we are a, if this, then this, like we're a cause (laughs) and effect species, right? Like if I do this, then there ought to be something in return for that. So the it's, it's counterintuitive. I think for some guys to just serve and lead that way without anything in return. So that is good, man. That is, that will get their attention because 
their first need is security, right? And and if they yes. can they're secure and they can trust that, then they're more likely to sort of say, okay, yeah, dude, you are the leader. Be the leader. I don't want to be the leader, exactly. right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And most of our wives, that that's what they're looking for, John. Like, like they want us to step up and lead. Mm-hmm. They desire for someone to like, hey, yeah. yeah, security, absolutely. But they are asking, begging, right, for a hero in that story, right? And yeah. it's not you, then who is it going to be? And they are asking for our leadership. Now, Shannon pushed against it. But in reality, that was the cry for me to be strong and to lead her, but yeah. not with a domineering hand or spirit, but to lovingly display what that looked like. Um, but the problem is like, and this isn't a lot of men who didn't, ha- they didn't have an example of what it meant to lead in their homes. Yeah. They don't know what that looks like practically. They hear it in church. And they're like, I don't know what that means. Lead mm-hmm. in my home. Like, what does that even look like? That is a common question we get at every marriage boot camp when I sit with the guys. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. And I hear you. I, I get it. And so we try to walk that out with guys and help, you know, hopefully give a picture of what it looks like to lead within their homes. Yeah. But even in like not knowing, we want you to know that your your wives are are asking for that. They're looking for that leadership. Yeah, just like kids. I mean, Henry Cloud wrote a book, uh, Boundaries and Parenting, and and it talks about Kids will resist boundaries, but really they want them and they need them and it's for their own good, honestly. And so people are crying out for a leader and it's just how how you lead is what, how that's going to be received. All right. Well, so when you guys talk about boot camp, maybe give any idea just because I see the term marriage flippers uh, that you guys have on your (laughs) website because, because you're really restoring, right? Just like on television, like you're, you're renovating, you're restoring, you're, you're kind of coming in, uh, redeeming certain situations. So, well, Christ is redeeming it. You're preparing the the fields for that. But um, talk to me about Marriage Flippers and Marriage Boot Camp a little bit. Yeah, the Marriage Flippers came out. My actually wife came out with that just simply for the fact that that's what's happening, right? Talk about what we're doing is we're restoring hope, redeeming stories, and building strong marriages, right? And so everybody loves a good makeover story, right? A yeah, good yeah. Whatever it is. And you think about what has to happen at times. You got to go to the foundation, right? You got to re- retrofit. You got to maybe tear yeah. it out build again. You got to build a structure that's solid. You got to build walls around it that are going to stand the test of time. You got to put in the right electrical and plumbing, like all these things that be built for this to be a place where like, man, I feel safe here. I feel it's good. It's solid. So this idea that at times, like we have to do that within our marriage, it's either refreshing. It's a rebuilding. It's a complete, we, we tell people like, Hey, same person, new marriage. Because there's times where you have, there's a complete renovation, right? We have been so disconnected, off track. We have come to the end of the time with our kids here in the house, and we don't even know one another. Like, we have literally lost connection. Mm-hmm. What do you got to do? You've got to completely renovate, right? Like, it's getting back to know each other. It's rebuilding the foundation of things that you haven't done and so marriage flippers kind of came out of that, that we help flip marriages, like yeah. to re- take them from a place of hopefully brokenness of, um, uh, of cracks in the foundation to hopefully restoration um, and to redeem the story that God has planned and intended for them. And for us in our marriage boot camps, it's one of the things that we love doing. So last year we did seven, this year we'll do seven again. We'll do six boot camps and we'll do one boot camp advanced. And the boot camps um, are, 
are, are done in such a way that they're a Friday through a Sunday intensive. And the reason we do them this way is it gives us an opportunity to really dig in with the couples. Our team that comes in gets to work with the couples. It's not your typical retreat. It is not, we're going to pass lifesavers with a toothpick back and forth to each other. And no, we're not doing any of that stuff. Like you're going to be working in and on your marriage. You're going to be going out, working on stuff together in your marriage, doing activities together. Um, the sessions that we have, and we do them very small. Intentionally, we do our boot camps 10 to 11 couples max. And the reason why is because then we can actually be able to go in deep with them um, and be present with them. And so we could go big and because we have wait lists, but we keep them small and intentional for that reason. And we do them, we do them in environments where it's conducive for the couples to feel like, hey, this is a healthy place for me to be safe, to share um, because we do them on property with acreage, usually water, land, and an environment where they can actually disconnect and then reconnect with one another. So they're they're intensives for sure, uh, but they have proved to be one of the biggest catalysts uh, that we have seen for for couples. I mean, we have literally seen divorce papers being torn up at boot camps. Um, we have seen marriages just healed and restored in incredible ways, and not because anything that we've done, but simply because you have people who show up. And our boot camps are intentionally about and we tell them that you think you're coming here. That's just about your marriage. It's not like God needs to do a work in you and in you. And it's probably as individuals. And what's going to happen is it's going to impact your marriage a hundred percent. So don't make it about what you need your spouse to get this weekend to make things better for you. Like I said earlier, yeah. Yeah. what you hope to hear, then you will miss what God has for you. Yeah. Um, so are you getting oh, mostly I Christian? Talking, man. You got to shut no, me up. No, I'm, I, I just don't want to. I'm a little <laughs> older than you, so I don't want to forget my question. But no, I love. What oh, you're, you're older than me. I highly doubt it, John. How much? How old do you think I am? Oh, you're you're maybe maybe 38, 40. <laughs> okay, no more no more talking to you. You're 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 trying to get, get top billing here of all my guests. I am 51 <laughs> years old. Um, wow. so you barely beat me brother. So, uh, next month I'm 51. Good man. Well, we live close and we're virtually the same age. This, this could be a <laughs> friendship in the making. All right. So I do have, um, mostly Christian couples, I would assume because they know your framework is based on biblical foundation. Am I, is that a correct assumption that most of them are Christian? Yeah. So our, our boot camps are faith-based. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but most of your people that come for them but oh yeah oh yeah yeah because of its faith base pretty much everybody that comes that it's all faith i would now. assume okay yeah we so don't that... we don't we don't shy back from that but because of what we do on social media and all that like yeah we have people who aren't right who yeah. follow but no yeah we don't shy away from, we don't shy away from any of that yeah yeah well okay so in those all those i just wanted to get an idea of who i'm who i'm thinking of when i think of your groups and boot camps um so everybody is sort of bought into the biblical foundation, um, but the proof is that even Christian couples have problems, right? And and uh, people are people. People are broken. People are flawed. I do uh, when people bring stuff into marriage, like you said, or maybe there's a thing that happens in the marriage, and, and there's guilt and there's shame and there's unforgiveness. Man, what is sort of your breakthrough moment, or do you have kind of a template? delivery that you have for those couples where they see a breakthrough on forgiveness or redemption over that guilt or shame? Because I imagine your wife even had some guilt uh, 
about her early life, you know, and I bet she had to kind of overcome some of that, but, and then brought some of that guilt into marriage. What do you do with couples that do have, maybe there was an offense, a huge one. Maybe there's some shame. Maybe there's some unforgiveness. Is there something you kind of laser focus in to address that? Yeah. So I understand you correctly in terms of like how they begin to kind of remove that, maybe that shame they're yep. carrying. Yeah. That kind of weight they're carrying. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so I would start with this is that there, there's nothing the other spouse can do, right? We would like yeah. to say that there's a lot they can do. But the thing is that we know like we can't change the other person, but ultimately like what can you do, right? As a spouse of somebody who's kind of experiencing that, um, I, I think it goes back to that empathy piece again, but coming alongside yeah. and asking, hey, how do I best serve you in this season? How do I come alongside you in this moment? Um, you know, and, and understanding where they're at, kind of where some of the hats come from. Because for the spouse who's supporting in that or trying to understand, you have to hold that whole Stephen Covey principle, right? Seek first to understand and then be understood. So you got to understand where your spouse is at and how do you help them walk through that. But that person who's been caring, what is that shame, whatever it may be, I wouldn't say there's anything that we do that this that is this quick, like, you know, release of that. I think that it's this understanding of who they are, this understanding of where that could be rooted from. Um, and I think when they begin to shift their identity and have a knowledge of like, no, that that's that is under grace and that is forgiven. So I would say one of the big things that we talk about even at the boot camps, that it's part of our minimalist marriage that we call um, is this place of of having grace, right, for your spouse. Um, and I think once a person who's navigating whether shame or guilt understands the grace that we have been given, and we hear it in church, and we hear it talked about time and time again, yeah. but we really don't spend time understanding that grace transforms, that grace covers, that grace says you don't have to carry this on your own anymore. Like grace mm -hmm. says you get to be free from this. And and I think when an individual understands that they're under that, that can bring freedom. And that coupled with a spouse who's then is also giving them that grace in the midst of what they're saying, because typically somebody who's dealing with that shame, they're either going to act out or they're going to retreat, right? Yep. And yep. Because they're carrying that. And it's going to have an impact on that marriage. So again, it's coming back to like, how does you, how do you as a couple then, or as an individual begin to extend that grace, right? To begin to move past what would be a normal thing for you of like how you would normally respond or react. And instead of, instead of re reacting, like how do you respond? And I think part of it too is like, if you're a spouse supporting someone in that is, is how do you have more of the, the mindset of like a gardener, like to come alongside and to help cultivate and help work with them and help love them through that. Um, mm -hmm. Shan had that. And I had to be, have that gardener mindset. You know, mm -hmm. I could have said, Oh, I got a defective tree, right? Yeah. It's not, not doing this. It's dropping leaves everywhere. I don't like what it's doing. doesn't look great. Yeah. It's not giving me the shade I thought I would get, or I, so I had to be a gardener. Right. I, I can't just dig it up and say, I'm gonna go get another one. Yeah. Um, or I, I can be, I can absolutely be a consumer um, and just, you know, just consume what I need and be frustrated with what I'm not getting. But, you know, we're at a place now where I think if if you're somebody who's navigating through that, it's grace. If it's, and it's understanding that in your identity and then as a as a spouse coming alongside uh, your spouse who's nav is going through that. How do you extend that grace? How do you come alongside and support them? And then yeah. recognizing, you know, that, yeah, that that is something that you get to heal one another. So there's probably a lot that your spouse has that is that they're going to be able to walk alongside and help you heal in some of these areas as well. Yeah, no, that's good, man. That's gold. Um, 
grace is one of those things that sounds conceptually we feel like we get right and but uh, yeah. to actually execute and receive and give uh that practically sometimes yeah. we we can't really we don't i don't know that we can't it's just that we we don't and sometimes it's just a choice yeah. really it's just as yeah, simple as absolutely. that um yeah. well yeah. i mean you know i hear i hear people distinguish between communication and connection I've heard folks say, you know, we can communicate in a marriage because, you know, I can have her stop at the store on the way home and I can go pick this up and I can take <laughs> the kids here. Right. That's communicating. Yeah. Sure. So connection. When you let's talk about because you've referenced people maybe a little later in life after the kids. So empty nesters, maybe. How do you re kind of kindle that connection if it was lost or maybe it wasn't wasn't lost? It was just sort of overshadowed by some of the other obligations. How do you, what, what do you see couples do to re kind of ignite that connection later in life, maybe midlife to later? So you're, you're, you're thinking about, you're talking about kind of like rekindling that spark, if you will, almost in essence, or that yeah, connection. and not just physically, but you know, sure, spiritually, sure. emotionally. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, if you want things to be good beneath the sheets, they got to be good above the sheets first, right? Sure. Like that's how it operates. That's how it works. And so like, there's a lot you do, right? Like a guy wants sex in the evening. Well, that's going to start in the morning, right? Sure. Through intimacy and through connection, uh, through those intentional moments. And so I think if you've lost that, if you've lost that fire, if you will, or that connection, I think you need to go back and see like, what have you cultivated in your marriage? Like, you know, we, we talk about this, like, man, like if, you know, if you're a guy, like, what have you cultivated in your marriage? If you don't like what you see, how are you complicit in creating the environment mm -hmm. and conditions that you don't like? Like, how are you complicit in that? Mm -hmm. So we talk couples that often, right? So you got to step back and recognize where I have not shown up because you can desire to have a phenomenal marriage, right? And to have this great connection and be invested, but desire and devotion are very different things, right? They don't like you can desire, but you got to be devoted to the intentional pursuit of your spouse. So I think you have to go back and look at where have I, I got to take ownership. Where have I not been invested? Where have I had my affection and my attention placed somewhere else that I've lost the, that I've lost that, or I've taken for granted my spouse, right? right. I've lost that ability be able i'm not pursuing i'm not connecting as i know i should and then we see our spouse who's maybe acting a certain way they're a little frustrated a little little bitey with us well guess what typically they they are just reflecting back at us the ways that we have not probably engaged with them pursued them and so if marriage is a mirror they're really reflecting back at us ways that we haven't really been maybe present and available we can easily think it's about them but if we pause we got to look at ourselves and say, man, I have ownership for this. So if you want to shift that and increase your connection with your spouse and kind of bring that back to life, there has to be an intentionality in how you're pursuing one another. There has to be an intentionality in how you're moved towards your spouse. There has to be small daily moments, right, of connection where you're moving towards them. I think those are key pieces that you have to have in place. If you lose that, then you're going to begin to lose this, this, that, that connection. And what happens is it's over a period of time, right? Because right. marriages, marriages don't die in the big moments. It's in the sure. small things intentionally. And, and I think what happens is marriages die because it's not because we don't do certain things. It's because we neglect them, right? right. We neglect them. 
and yeah. we put them on autopilot and autopilot will kill a marriage. And so I think we have to re-examine. It's easy to say, well, he or she is not doing this. They're not doing that. They're not serving me this way. They're not showing up there. Okay. What are you doing? Right. How are you loving? Because before God, that's what you're responsible for. I, I think guys too, um, you know, to anal the analogy of, uh, like a poor diet, like if a guy wants to lose 20 pounds, I mean, they, they get frustrated when they haven't done it in a week. Well, it took you way more than a week to gain that 20, right? You took a year of eating poorly and then you expect right. you walk around the block five times and you're going to get back to your fighting weight. I, I got news for guys too in marriage. Like yeah. it took you this long to get this disconnection, right? To drive a wedge, to separate um, between, yeah. you know, drive the yeah. separation uh, it's not going to be overnight that you took out yeah. the trash and centered flowers, that it's all going to go away. And I think that is a problem because guys, <laughs> again, we expect yeah. us to, you know, we're, yeah. we're clocking on all, clicking on all cylinders. And then a week later, nothing's changed. And you're like, well, forget it. Cause she's yeah. not, you know, she's not having any part of it. Well, yeah, that's hundred percent true. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a hundred percent true. Like there's a wall built. Right. And, and we're, we're on the other side of the wall. Like what is going on? Well, like, Oh, like hang the mirror on that wall and, and see what's actually happening here. Right. Yeah. And so we expect two weeks of good behavior. Like, well, what's going on? I was great for two weeks. Why is she not responding? Why is she not acting this way? Why hasn't yeah. she changed? Oh, she is not responding. Like you do your part. What God has asked of you, yeah. God will bring the change. God will do his part. You just keep showing up. Right. Yeah, and I did sure. that with Shannon, but, and you can't, and, and as a guy, you can't take that wall down. Yeah. They have to. You can't make them remove a brick. They have to do that. And it's going to be about how you love, how you lead, how you pursue, how you engage, how you show up and do the hard things. Because as men, right, we yeah. are meant to do hard things. Mm -hmm. We're meant to do hard things. Yep. Well, so I also want to know if you guys work with any sort of pre-marriage scenarios, like if you do a pre-marriage boot camp, or obviously you really can't because if it's an overnight thing, it'd be hard to... I mean, unless you just had separate quarters for everybody, but do you, have you given any thought to that or do you do anything that helps prepare couples before it becomes a grease fire in the kitchen? Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Okay. I know that yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the you're connectivity good. was a little off, but yep, you're good. Okay. Um, Did you hear my question? Our team does premarital. Yeah. Yeah. We used to do okay. premarital because, you know, we loved what we started seeing is that, we need to be able to catch right upstream what we're seeing downstream. And the yeah. problem is, I think sometimes people who work with marriages or even churches, they do really well catching it downstream, but not mm -hmm. upstream. Mm -hmm. And that upstream is that premarital, right? Which I think right. is incredibly essential. Um, so we're actually in the middle this year, we'll be releasing a, a course for premarital. Um, and some of our team works on that, but we don't have per se boot camp on that, but we have thought about that because we believe it's, it's, it's that essential, um, for these marriages to begin hopefully with a, with a right foundation, yeah. because that's what we're beginning to see is they understand we're bringing stuff into it. Just don't know what, what that is or what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and they just don't have a foundation, a foundation at least where to start from. You know? Right. Right. That's good. No, i I had a feeling that was on your radar. Um, Okay. Be transparent with me real quick. Cause you're, you and your wife are, <laughs> you've, you've overcome a lot. You're now teaching and, and 
quote unquote, the experts with the people that you're working with, right? I mean, God has put you in this place for a time such as this. What is something that you guys are working on, on your own, like together? Like what's the, what's the thing in the Shannon and Javier season? Like what's the thing right now that you guys are trying to live the example that you're teaching? Yeah. Uh, here's what's interesting is like, we always teach from a place of like, Hey, we're going through this too. We're walking through it as well. Like, I don't always say the right thing. I don't always unpack it the right way. Um, Shannon. So right now we're actually, I think almost every 10 years you evolved kind of a new version of yourself. And right now we're kind of at a tipping point in our ministry. So there's a, there's a lot sometimes of contention about what needs to happen and what's next. Um, and so for, so we're actually finding ourselves back to like a similar season from the beginning of our marriage where she has found herself at times responding in a way that reminds her of how it was for, in the first five years, because she's allowing the frustration of a situation to dictate then how she's responding to me. Right. Um, it's not really anything that I did. It's more of the situation and responding to that. And so for her, she would tell you it's how she's actually responding in her tone and her language. Right. Uh, I wouldn't say language like in bad language, but just yeah, like yeah. the words that I'm using. Um, and and for me, I think the season of life that I'm in, um, and it's been it's been tough for me, is like, how do I love her well through where she's at? But at the same time, how do I care for myself? You know, being in my 50s and, you know, life progressing, a different season of how, I, you know, of what I get to invest into others and into my children, into my son-in-law and all of that. Uh, so for me, the challenge right now is um, it, it, it's it's a push just to be, I feel like I need to keep pushing, 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 and uh, I'll seek that validation. And if I don't hear it from her, I'm going to get very, I get frustrated, not validation, but the affirmation, right? I'm a words of affirmation person. Right. Me too. Um, and, and she's kind of coming back to that place to recognize, hey, I've kind of missed that a little bit. And so for me, I'm having to also recognize for her that she's going through a lot of transitions, you know, physically in her body as well, that how do I love her through that? And I don't always do it well because it's not selfishness because I'm really aware of like how I'm serving her, but it is like, I've got to do these things. I got to provide security. I got to advance the ministry. I got to do all these things that are good. And I can find myself getting back to that becomes, if anything, almost the idol, right? And the marriage can even become the idol also, as opposed to me being, no, I got to go to God, go to God, go to God. So I am right now navigating, like not trying to control things on my own, because then that impacts our marriage and how we're connecting and relating to one another. Wow. I appreciate the transparency because, I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, I don't know anybody that hasn't gone through a version of that or isn't currently. And that's that's good. I mean, that's a good take on a situation because we need to press in. And I think you said it earlier. You mentioned first love, and, and I'm talking about our love yeah. for Jesus. If we can get back to our first, you know, the moment that we were hungry for God and press into that, then he says, "What seek all seek me first, the kingdom, you know, right? Seek first the kingdom, yeah. and all things will be added to you. So yeah. your marriage will fall into place, your work will fall into place, your relationships, like your finances, if you seek him first. And so it sounds like to me, you yeah. guys are both in that season of digging in and pressing in to what God's trying to say to you guys. Um, yeah. But I appreciate you being um, transparent about that. Um, all right, well, tell me, okay, tell us where to get some resources and and kind of about the book." 
title is kind of interesting. If if I was looking at the right one, is it is it Confessions of a Terrible Wife? Is that what that book is? Oh, there's so yeah, Confessions of a Terrible Wife. Yeah. Um. So kind of outlines the first five years. So it's kind of like her story, her piece, and it's my piece of how I navigated that as a husband and responsible where she was at. Cool. Um. And and that's I think what's missing sometimes that people. You know, hey, I read that, but like, how did he respond? Like, how did he navigate that yeah. season, right? To relate to that. And so it's kind of like based around that. That's cool. Um, then we have some courses coming out in this year. We got seven boot camps. So and the best way, and this is what Shannon always does. So, you know, I'm not always the greatest at this, but the best way is honestly, if 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 you're on here and you're listening and you have access to Instagram, social media, that's a great way to be able to follow us because you can we have the links on there for boot camps. You know, all our content resources kind of come through there. Plus, you know, what we're doing on a consistent basis, putting out there. Um, but yeah, uh, the website, uh, which is in the process going to be about revamped here in the next couple of weeks, but it's at 247 Marriage. Those are probably two of the best ways. And then our boot camp schedule is coming out here. Uh, she's already releasing dates, but the full, all the dates will be coming out here uh, within the next uh, week or so. Um, and that's a great way. And and those boot camps are not just if you're a marriage man, we're in the middle of infidelity or we're, we're really broken. People, couples come there just to be refreshed, right? To reset. And we have couples who've been married a year to 50 years in the same room. And here's the thing, regards to the season you're in a marriage, there is room to work on things. There is things that you do need to actually sharpen and refresh on and bring some healing into. Um, and so that's really kind of geared that way. And they're going to be all over. They're going to be a lot in the West. There'll be some in the in the uh, kind of Midwest of the South as well. And so uh, that's a great way to be able to connect as well. That's good. That's good. That's how we connected was on Instagram. And and I appreciate your team helping me. Uh, you guys got a very responsive team, which I appreciate. Um, all right, before I let you go, and this one just hit me, and and I didn't plan sure. on this one, and we'll we'll close <laughs> with this, but. Um, how about some advice? Let's do an advice session for the guys. Listen, what is your advice? You're sitting down and a couple sits in front of you and your wife and they say, we just grew apart. Mm. Cause I think that's a, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe I've felt that at times, maybe not, but I think that might be just kind of a cop out and maybe I'm wrong. You correct me. You're the expert, but they sit in front of you and say, I think, you know, we just grew apart. They're just different now. They're not who I married. Give me some yeah. advice if I'm saying that yeah. to you. Yeah, I, I would. I would. So we do hear that often. And at times we hear like, hey, we've grown apart. Are we, are we fallen out of love? Yeah. Right. When they say we've fallen out of love. And I, I tend to tell people like, well, no, you actually fell out of repentance because you're not willing to repent from the things that maybe you have navigated or you brought into it and to own that. So it's easier to say we've just fallen out of love, right? Yeah. And to take the ownership of it. When people say we have, you know, we've grown apart, I, I think we have to, we we go back and I say, you know, we have them unpack a little bit about, tell yeah. me what's, how you arrived to where you're at. Because here's the thing, couples always come and say, I don't know how we got here. But I can tell you that if I peel back the layers and I really look through everything that you have been doing, your intentions, if I sat on your counter in your house and I watched your daily interactions with one another, how you communicate, how you move towards each other, how you aim yourselves literally physically at one another when you're communicating, 
all those things will tell me a lot how you arrive to where you're at, right? Life happens. If we get busy, we understand that. And so we grow disconnected because we aren't intentional in pursuing first a God and then one another. And so we've allowed other priorities come in. We've allowed other things to come in to distract us. And that's the, and that's the thing I would tell them is that the enemy doesn't care that you're even married. Mm-hmm. What he does care is that you understand your purpose of your marriage, which is reflect an image God. And, the, and, and his goal is to get you distracted, to get you disconnected, because then you are not a threat, right? If you can get you distracted and disconnected, then that power you have as a couple with God in the middle is pretty incredible. And it's going to impact the lives, right, of your children and generations, like we mentioned. So couples who come to that place, I would say it's got to be full ownership on both sides. You tell me, how did you arrive here, yeah. right? What happened in your daily connection with God? What happened in your pursuit of one another? Tell me about your daily routines. Tell me about how you're engaging with one reverse another. Reverse engineer. Engaging? Yeah, reverse engineer yeah. right back into that. Yeah. Yeah, you I, you have to because you have to be able to say, so what I hear you saying is your marriage, you have not been investing in your marriage. You have you have not come to a place where that has been next to God where you invest your time, right? It, it isn't because you... you we can arrive at a place, hey, we feel a little disconnected, but to be at a place where like, man, we we don't think we can continue anymore. You didn't start that way. <laughs> you didn't start day one that way. Right. You know, and 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 couples yeah. just because life happens, they grow in that disconnect because of a lack of intentionality um yeah. and pursuit of one another. And if you have that mindset and some mindset shift, that that's how yeah. I have to pursue this consistently. Yeah, you know, and I appreciate doing that. And that was kind of one of those. I wish that we'd have, I'd have thrown that in and thought about that earlier, but I'm glad we did. I mean, we needed that last kind of shot in the arm advice. But I don't know about you, but I kind of wish I had a home video of the first year before, or the year before we were married, or that first year married, like <laughs> when we were courting, right? I wish I had a home movie of that year of dating before we got yeah. married, um, yeah. because I bet you we wouldn't recognize that guy exactly so that's that's it guys keep dating your wife yeah go ahead oh no absolutely and that's the thing if you go back and we do this in our boot camps we take couples back to where they started right to remember how they began and then how do you arrive to where you're at and it's so easy to say yes them my spouse this that life like you can blame anybody you want yeah but that's nothing but absolute excuses yeah and BS, I'm sorry, like to yep. be able to point at someone else that like, you've got to take ownership. You've got to do the hard work. You yep. that's why we say 24-7 marriage. You got to invest in it 24-7, right? Yep. And like I said earlier, the purpose of your marriage is God. That's greater than anything you will ever face. And the purpose of marriage must be greater than anything you'll ever encounter and ever face. Yeah. And so having this mindset, hey, we believe in each other, we want the best for each other, we're gonna pursue one another. Cause at the end of this, like there we stand before one another, right? Yeah. When all the kids are gone. And so this is the right. place that have to come to be able to say, hey, this is the woman that God has given me. This is a man that God has given me. And I'm called to come alongside and I'm called to love them, to believe in them, to cherish them. And no matter what, that's what I'm going for. Right. That's right. And so that's right. Build, building a marriage is not based upon a feeling. Right. It's, 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 good. it's commitment. It's a covenant. And so yeah. I know God can do some pretty powerful things through that. Um, but we have to be yeah. reminded of that daily. Yeah. And one of the biggest wedges the enemy will use is blame. So if I can convince myself that it's the other person's fault, then 
you know, I've won and, and the, the enemy would love nothing more than that. So anyway, this sure. has been one of my, uh, one of my more favorite conversations I've had in a awesome. while. So I really, I really do appreciate <laughs> it. Audience. He has been Javier Labrador. Yes. There's my, there's my Labrador. I got it. Labrador. I got it. Labrador. No, Thank he's you, been, appreciate it so yeah. much. Hey, he's been Javier Labrador. We've been last in line. Be blessed. <laughs>